Hello and welcome back to No Capes Season 3. This show is usually recorded as a video talk show, so if you want to see what we're talking about in the show, check it out on YouTube as well. And if you'd like to support the show, you could consider subscribing at Patreon or donating to Ko-fi. For now, kick back, relax, grab your coffee, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. With me today is an incredible creator who owns many comics, the inimitable Melissa White. Melissa, tell everyone a little bit about yourself real quick. Hey, I'm Melissa. You can call me Mel. Um, I am a writer. I'm an editor at this point. I help put together pitches. I do sensitivity reads. Basically anything I can do to help out comics while also making my own if that makes sense and now you have nightmare coming out this year tell us a little what you tell us what you can tell us about that real quick oh yeah well that's coming out with scout comics so look forward to it um we are very very close we're only we just need issue five essentially we're ready to go um and oh my gosh once this is done it symbolizes so much work but the story is a horror story following Luz and Kara, her girlfriend, as they navigate nightmares that are alternate dimensions that Luz can travel to via her dreams. So it deals with trauma and kissing and fun times, but also, you know, nightmare-fueled monsters that follow her across dimensions, because who doesn't need a little of that? Yes, I love that. Oh, it's giving me queen of bad dreams with alternate dimension travel except horror vibes exactly because i, I exactly. loved i loved the weird monsters that came out of the dream realm in that mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. this with this where they're traveling to the dream world yes yeah okay you, you, you've got me already so well thank you yeah keep me posted tag me when you share stuff and i will share it on on everything um i'm, I'm really excited for that oh thank you so much that sounds incredible and right up my alley. I'm getting right into like weird existential metaphysical horror stuff at the moment. And yes. yeah, the horror is the, the topic of the day then in a way mm-hmm. because of the book that we're talking about today. Um, so we're talking about Bleed Them Dry by Elliot Rahl and an incredible crew. You want to give mm-hmm. us a little bit of a breakdown about that? Yes, um, I was lucky enough to read this in advance um, when I was working with Comic-Con.com, you know, reviewing comics. So I got a bit of a sneak peek ahead of everyone else. And I was super excited about it because the team behind this book is amazing. Hands down, they did a fantastic job. Um, Not only do we have Elliot Rawl, who's written it, but we've got DK Ruan on art. We've got Mikel Muerto on colors and we've got Andworld on letters and not only that we've got the immaculate the amazing the fantastic tim daniel doing you know the logo design and the general design of the book it's out through vault comics so order it from your comic shop you know your favorite place they will be able to get it get a hold of it for you and on top of that you can read it on comicsology so there's really literally no excuse yeah get your hands on the yeah. book there's there's so many so many ways to get it now and I don't know if they've done a collected edition of the miniseries yet, but I definitely want to get that and have it on the shelf here. So, you know, I'll go and check that out after we finish here. If there is a collected edition for you guys in the audience, I will link it because it's worth it. Um, they've done an incredible job with this, and I feel like it's a really cool sort of sci-fi, cyberpunk, noir sort of story, and you'll see mm-hmm. more of that as we talk about it. But speaking about Bolt 
and cyberpunk stuff as well. Have you read The Advance of Fox and Hare? No, I haven't. Get in touch with Vault because Adrian was asking for like other press and pros to, to check it out. I got an advanced read of it the other day. Ooh! Oh, okay. They, I'll wait. Yeah, it's it's big, big cyberpunk energy. Um, big cyberpunk anime energy. Yes. Like with the two main characters are uh, sort of... I don't want to give too much away. Obviously, they gave me an advanced read, but they're adventurers of a sort you'll find out exactly what type when you read it but they've got their cool suits and these fox and hair like sci-fi style but also very traditional inspired design masks yeah. that they wear when they're going on their adventures mm -hmm. um it's a story of these two kids that were abandoned when they were children for some reason i don't actually mm -hmm. know what happened to them yet other mm -hmm. than their parents are gone and neither of them knows knew why at the start of the book so flash forward to them being grown up very exciting stuff um i'm really really looking forward to that and again tim and the crew have knocked it out of the park with the design work on that as well of course of course they have we know that vault is leading the way when it comes to comic companies of all sizes com coming up with consistent and coherent designs so yeah. big ups to them that's right, yeah, they, they really do. They knock it out of the park pretty much every time. This show may as well be the Vault show at this point. <laughs> at this point, at this I, point. Probably. I'd say okay. I'd say I probably do at least six Vault books a season. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's good, though. It brings yeah. focus to the indie creators that are doing new and exciting things within comics, you know? And Vault has a really good model. They're coming out with some of the greatest storytelling, some really you know, delicious stories, some really great art that I think readers really need to get their hands on. Oh, yeah. You know? The lineups that they've announced for this year, they haven't even announced what the books that they're working on are. Just the lineups for each team. The lineups are yeah. insane. There, there's they're so insane. many good ones. Um, the one that I'm especially excited about, though, is that they announced that Cullen Bunn is doing a vault book. And Amazing. I don't know what it is, but I don't need to know. No. I just need to know that name and I know it's going to be exactly. great and I know that it's Vault so I know they're going to have a s absolutely stellar art team working on it. Absolutely. And what's crazy, like at this point, just give them, should I hand them my credit card and just say, let's go? Yeah, basically. Um, like Have fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I should just like sign up to subscribe to Vault number ones. Exactly. At this point, it's it's crazy. And Bleed Them Dry is absolutely no exception to no, this. And I... I I want more people to read this story because if not only for the story parts um, in which, you know, Elliot Rall, of course, does amazing work and, and really nails that, you know, cyberpunk neo-noir feel, but DK Ruan's art and the colors, I just, I mean, I, I can't. The The colors are amazing. The art is so dynamic. And I think it lends itself to that, dy that dynamic logo as done by Tim Daniel, for sure. Yeah. Heck yeah. I love, yeah, I love the logo and I love this intro page where it's giving us the full team. Uh, and of course we can't forget Hiroshi Kazumi, uh, yes. who I'm not actually too familiar with Hiroshi's repertoire. Um, mm -hmm. but obviously if the concept and story and plot originated mm -hmm. with Hiroshi, that's, that's a huge thing. Elliot has done a great job writing this story. Uh, mm -hmm. but obviously 
in in conjunction with Hiroshi. Uh, it's great. You've all done an amazing job. If you're watching this, um, I I'm gonna actually go in and do some research on Hiroshi and after this as well because I've been meaning mm. to do that, but the old ADHD brain keeps derailing me. Um, but I'm excited to see what else Hiroshi's worked mm -hmm. on, whether it's comics or other stuff. This is a great yeah. book, and I'm it's got me curious. Exactly. Uh, Elliot Ryle's work never fails to excite me. Mm -hmm. uh, same with DK and Mikkel. Uh, do you know if Mikkel is actually on Twitter anywhere? I've never able to find Mikkel to tag them. I, I think they are, but I'd have to check my followers list. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll have to um, have a look. because Following I, list to see I, if I follow. Yeah, I think I, think I found Mikkel on Instagram. But yeah. I can't remember if on Twitter. Because sometimes it's a, I, I have a hard time finding colorists on Twitter. I mean, everybody's moving to Instagram. So Instagram may be the place. Mm. Maybe the place to connect with, you know, all the cool art kids, you know? That's true. That That's how I got in touch with Rob uh, from Chew mm. uh, on his Instagram because he left Twitter a few years back. Yeah, it's stressful. It can be super stressful. It can be. It can be. Um, so, yeah, let's break down this page a little bit real quick before we get into the story. Um, just because Tim Daniels' design work on this is, is phenomenal. Uh, I don't know if Tim colored this page as mm -hmm. well in the design process or not, but this, this solid black of the vampire you know, the teeth and the little bit of orange texture at the bottom mm -hmm. with the high contrast with the black and white and the diamonds and stuff. I love it. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And yeah, as, as, as you were saying earlier, like as well with um, Andworld's lettering, everything mm -hmm. looks slick. Um, before I made a mistake and we lost a few minutes, you was talking about the, the font choices that they used for the logo yeah. itself that Tim used yes. Um, yes. and how that blends the, the like old Gothic style with crisp mm -hmm. new lines and everything. Yeah. It's, it's slick. It's very slick. And the rest Absolutely. of the book is equally slick. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the, the aspects about Tim Daniel that I really love is that he can really nail in on lettering choices and design to make it not only dynamic and really pop off the page, like his work on the plot was fantastic, but he's yes. also a creator himself, you know, so not only is he telling great stories, but he's also de designing these logos. So, I mean, not to plug Tim Daniels here, but to totally plug him, I mean, reach out. Yeah. Reach out. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think I'll be hitting up Tim when I'm ready to pitch some of my books. Um, I've yeah. got two books that I'm hoping to get ready to pitch by next year. Um, oh yeah, and if that goes well, then yeah, I definitely want Tim to do the logo on at least one of them. I think I want Tim to do the logo on the Network Man because it's got that retro futuristic '70s spy movie oh, vibe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, I think he would knock that out of the park. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I really do. Uh, and there's a lot that. It, that I love about this book but looking at page one immediately there's one thing that has always stood out to me and I'm not sure if this is a DK or a Mikkel choice mm -hmm. but it's the when on certain pages they've got that really nice thick white border around a character to make them stand out more against what's happening behind them and in yeah. on this first page they've used mm -hmm. it to kind of move the guttering of the panels around mm -hmm. the character and yeah. i really really love that I, there's only a few comics that i remember have done that a lot and done it really well 
but I do mm -hmm. love that when I see it done well. And this book exactly. does it really good. Exactly. I think especially on those first three panels, you know, um, and panel placement is definitely like more within the realm of your artist. And this is how you know that DK is a professional because able to focus in, but also draw us out with a style that you wouldn't typically see. And like you said, is only handled by by professionals because it's only done a few times. Right. How we're able to kind of take those moments and stack them in an introduction as opposed to they're happening and this person is part of it. Able to take all of that setup in one page and make it pop, make us understand and make us follow that character through this page is amazing. Now, I remember in the last episode, you had mm -hmm. some really cool shit to say about the pinks and blues in the background colors and stuff. Yes. So, let's I hit don't that again. Exactly what I, I said, don't remember but again, I mean, but I know you've got opinions and I want to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> good because i got them so yes. many of them all right so yeah like as we were just saying you know the these guys are they are top tier professionals it's hard to do things like those white outlines and make it look good and purposeful and like stylish not yeah i've i've tried to do it and it didn't work you know it's not it's not easy to do well uh, but another thing that they've done really, really well, as you were mentioning, all is the moody backgrounds and like the scene setting with that. So let, let's talk about this background work for a little bit, uh, especially yeah, for yeah. me. One of my favorite panels is panel, well, not panel three, but the very bottom panel on this mm -hmm. page with the city skyline yeah. and the the glow of the lights. Yes, excellently done by DK. Definitely. Not only do we get this moody city, but this city kind of reminds me of tendrils and it's, you know, wiry connections mm. between buildings and everything. And everything is kind of irregularly placed and jutting out from itself. It, and on one hand, it reminds me of something organic and alive, but also it's these beautiful and probably very tedious scenes that DK is doing and that M Miguel is kind of, or Miguel is doing coloring. Not only that, they become a character in itself. The city at night becomes a character in and of itself. And his presence here on this first page is really showing us that our connection to this city is just as important as these characters and exists within it. And without the city, there would be no story. And without this understanding of the city, viewing it at night with these beautiful glowing lights, it feels like a place that not only you want to get lost in and you want to explore so much more of, but you start to understand that not only is Mikkel really putting in some amazing work to this color gradient that shifts from pinks and oranges and blues up into this night sky at this distance, but that this isn't just one of those standard cyberpunk cities that are over neon and over advertised. You have that el those elements there, but it's still a living city and there's still people connected to this and they're not just on the ground. They're, they exist within it yes. as it sort of as, like cells through a body, you know? That's exactly right. And, and as soon as we move to like to this next double page spread, you can feel it even more like the glow of all these lights in this, ink wash semi painterly style that Mikkel has done that ain't easy so like you said like it probably felt very tedious at the time doing layer after layer little dot after little dot 
but oh my god mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks incredible doing good glow and making it look real mm-hmm. is difficult at the best of times doing this much of it and making mm-hmm. each one look deliberately placed and like it's in the position and place that it should be and mm-hmm. feels united in this world is mm-hmm. fantastic and like you said the city itself it feels semi-organic the building design um mm-hmm. the the spiral up the side of that building up in the top left with the yes. and then there's i'm not sure if this is actually something they did on purpose or if it's just a cool design thing but that building in the center background is giving mm-hmm. me strong evangelion vibes with the can't remember mm-hmm. don't come for me if i get this wrong internet i think it's like the eighth angel or something um it's a it's a big diamond mm-hmm. thing and it shoots these mm-hmm. incredible lasers that melt yeah. and destroy everything at will and when it's firing it the lines run down the uh, mm-hmm. angles and polygons of it yeah. and that building in the middle just is really reminds me of that oh i wonder if dk put that in intentional yeah like it could just be a, a cool you know geometric shape that they chose to put in mm-hmm. but if it is like a little nod to that, mm-hmm. that's cool. I like it. It's really cool. I think that you get this very intense feeling of of familiarity with the city, but also, and not only is it organic, not only is it alive, not only is it, you know, does it exist in a very real way on the page, but this double page spread really gives us a sense of setting, location, mood, and feeling immediately. Yes, we're open up on this murder, as most, you know, cyberpunk neors, 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 noirs. There we go. I got it. Uh, It took me a minute. But as most noirs do and as most cyberpunk noirs do. But having in the city playing an important role is amazing. And I love that Mikael really gave this city a sort of sunset wash that things are not coming alive until sunset. Mm. And as we get this great glow, that light coming from within, from below, from the ground, from the people, that's where the life is. And I like that it was used, it was used in this beautiful glowing gold light that has some accents of green, some accents of blue, and some pink in there, you know, that kind of reminds me of what we get before we get to, to blood red. Yeah, exactly. And the the way they use shadow and black ink in this book mm-hmm. is it's something I'm always incredibly envious of when someone's got this kind of skill with black inks. Um and and just like that the mastery of shadow to put so much black into a frame but still portray exactly what's there. Like the the mm-hmm. face of this little vampire in that one tiny panel, it's mostly mm-hmm. shadow. Yes. But you can tell exactly what's going on. Like there's a there's a strung out little dude hiding in that cupboard. Mm-hmm. And there's so much emotion and energy in that thin strip. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's incredible to me. Like I still don't have that that level of skill myself as an artist, so it's always incredible seeing somebody put that down on the page. Mm-hmm. The way that the doors line up to create mm. its own sort of set of doors within these panels 
while also giving us a sense of distance and nearness of this creature to you know our very innocent detective it's there's a lot of danger there lurking in the shadows exactly exactly yeah and, and then like if we move forward a little bit more the the way they did the panels with uh shoot i'm having a mental blank on his name um uh, the main other cop her partner after he slices this vampire in half yes oh, wait hold on what is his name atticus atticus, atticus. that's the one mm -hmm. yes i love that panel i do yeah, I really it's, it's do. so good. It's yeah, you know, like it's it's difficult in a, a static medium to portray mm -hmm. things like those scenes in your know, action movies and horror movies where someone slices you know, the the bad guy and they slowly peel apart and fall to the floor. But yes. the way they've done that frame mm -hmm. really does evoke that energy. Yes. And yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Big ups to DK for real, because this is my favorite panel. And just the change between the color, like Mikel again, yes. taking the color from one side as something living to something dead, mm -hmm. and while still keeping in with these kind of like grays and muted colors of, of the city at night, of the nearness of death. Like it's not a far color change. And I think that they both really absolutely killed this panel just as they killed this uh or the split panel just like they killed this vampire you know it's, yeah it's dope it's right so dope and um mikhail's ability to put so much detail and dimension into mm -hmm. a panel that is just mostly red and pink mm -hmm. like when this body is lying on the ground you can see so much of that detail even mm -hmm. though you know like the the line art is that muted sort of brown gray color in on the internal lines of the the wound and there's mm -hmm. so much red and pink in there but the mm -hmm. values in in the colors are just so well done you can see mm -hmm. it all you know like that would be a very easy thing to have wash out very quickly and not be able to see all those different layers and dimensions but yeah. he's just got such a good grasp of it Exactly. And I think that's, you know, a, I give a lot of credit to to Elliot to be able to tell the story of this dynamicism, give us those surprising moments. And especially in a place that doesn't, you know, he gives us the page turn, he gives us that little, you know, in concert with DK, but then he really hits you with this beautiful scene at the very first turn and you're like okay this is this is what i'm getting into danger yeah. nearness darkness evil and then this mysterious figure that you are you know kind of you want to trust you want yeah. to trust when he shows up yeah he he's he's immediately very charming and like you want to trust him but mm -hmm. also he's just gonna look about him like should we mm -hmm. <laughs> Like, should we? Like, you you seem really cool. But yeah. Do you yeah. seem too cool? Exactly, exactly. And that's, and the, you know, the nod of his entire look to the anime kind of features. That's what yeah. kind of makes me think that there was a nod in there um, in, in some respect, you know, because Atticus's look is very distinctive, very anime, the silver hair, yeah. you know, the sort of like the lowered face situation. 
Yeah, and I I love how they do that, and um, and then you know like it's it's high octane all the way through. Even though we're getting these quiet moments, like mm-hmm. there's never a dull moment. Mm-hmm. It's very engaging and like uh, fast paced storytelling, introducing characters very mm-hmm. quickly but very concisely. Yeah, it's not like a flash and like oh who was that. Like you're given a lot of information about who these characters are within mm-hmm. a few panels. Exactly. And how they kind of interact with the environment and how they interact with each other to know immediately that, you know, a person, the, for our first introduction is, he's, is, is Attica slicing a vampire in half, you know, uh, cutting through him. And, uh, and it's done with such flair and such drama. And he kind of almost looks playfully apologetic about it. Um, which I think is, you know, a real nod to us getting that clarity immediately on via his entrance. And yeah. I think that Elliot really did. I mean, you know, we give it up for for artists and for colorists all the time, but we really do have to give it up for Elliot as the writer to really nail in that moment by without us having to read about it in a text bubble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the, the art in the story are obviously like in imperfect concert, you know, mm-hmm. like the way the story is written and the way that the art team has portrayed it visually, mm-hmm. a real testament to the skill of everyone involved in the synergy of this team to execute mm-hmm. Elliot's vision for the story mm-hmm. as well. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to go, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, you know, and talk about page 14, um, where we get to Atticus and, um, oh my goodness, Detective, what's your name? Detective, what's your name? Oh my goodness, what's her name? What's her name? Halloway. Holloway, once we get to, thank you, once we get to Detective Holloway and Atticus and the split scene between them, kind of following the movements of a two camera setup and a sitcom, you know, kind of like back and forth conversationally and how they're able to translate, you know, film shots into comics, definitely. Um, I think that's, you know, we get a little bit more information about Atticus and about Holloway's relationship and we're getting that through some very clever panel placement you know yeah we're getting that you know usually we understand that you're not supposed to put as many words on a page and this isn't a criticism by any means it's really a credit to and world's you know talent and understanding that they were able to take this two camera shot and use it to kind of create a conversation that runs between the both of them yeah exactly and and do it in a clever way yeah it's it's a very skillful breaking of the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, people talk about how many pan- speech bubbles you should have on a page and how many panels you should have on a page, but if you've got a really good understanding of how those rules work and why they mm-hmm. are what what they are, mm-hmm. you can do stuff like this where you can be like, "No, I'm going to do it my way, but I'm going to take the principles of those rules mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. it." Exactly, exactly. And do it in such a way that, you know, that it's still dynamic. None of the visual storytelling is lost. 
while we were also getting, you know, this this delicious information and understanding the dynamics between them, between these two, you know. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, the the in on my version, it's page seventeen. Oh, it's page seventeen. Um, where we've got like the flipped same panel layout flipped during their conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the ver- vertical panel, two horizontal panels on the right. And then two horizontal mm-hmm. panels on the left and vertical panel on the right with with all this conversation happening. And it's just mm-hmm. so delicately handled. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess, like, there's so much on here, but it's placed so accurately and delicately that it, like you mm-hmm. said, like, the visual storytelling isn't lost because the bubbles yes. are placed right where they need to be and not over anything important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really well done with how they break up the background of this diner, you know, this brown and brownish purple and yellow, and then frame it by the white kind of negative space of the comic in order to break up that, that visualization. Otherwise it would bleed in. You've got like a brown booth yeah. seating and then like a, a similarly like light brownish yellow table. And then we've got the brown, yellow situation going on in the background of this diner. So breaking that up with these panels of white in in the middle and then having this like white frame around it really frames our conversation as something that kind of like is talking about something gross, you know, metaphorically, but also being framed with, you know, mutual intentions of of, of sort of like, you know, goodness. Yeah. Right, at least how we think. Took me a second to find that page. Actually, it's a different oh, page right, number right. on my version. Oh, okay. You know what? Because I am on, I'm on Comicsology, and the way that they lay out their pages is different. Yeah, I've got the PDF download, and it's page mm-hmm. ten on mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 So I'm gonna refer to what's happening in the on the page. Wait. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the diner scene. I was talking about the scene in the police station. Oh, and and when they're talking to the police chief, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because page 14 on mine is when she's getting a hot dog. And page 14 on mine is the is when we transition from uh, cops to the diner. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So cool. I think we're five pages off from each other. That's bizarre, because like mine is the download from Comixology. You can download a backup copy of your book. That's so funny. Yeah. I don't that know why it's so weird. different, though. Exactly. That's weird. Yeah, because the Comixology website is garbage here now. It doesn't work properly yeah. anymore. I, d- I don't love it. I don't yeah. love it. I do it on my phone and it's still like, you know, when you go into dynamic pal- paneling? Mm. Yeah. Ugh, and my, my tablet is a Windows tablet, so I can't use it on there either. Fun. Yep. Super fun. Thanks, yep. Amazon. But yeah, that diner scene is is fantastic. Like, the first panel in that scene with the, the, the lights in the background, mm-hmm. I love that. That's so yep. cool. Exactly. Exactly. Like, this understanding of what we're working with, where we are, who they are, is told so well through that. Um, and these, you know, these scene changes done through colors. Another nod to Mikhail for telling us, you know, for following how each scene interplays with each other, but also how we can shift moods within, within the same page so we're not losing real estate or putting in filler, you know, just by color choices. Right. It's fantastic. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and then we get um we get this scene of her at home as well. Mm-hmm. And she's having, you know, having nightmares. And we we get this vulnerable viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's like we're it almost feels like we're seeing something we shouldn't really because it's this private mm-hmm. vulnerable moment is yes. not she doesn't have her emotional armor on that she has when she's at work exactly exactly and like this moment of her is is short you know but it tells us so much about what kind of what kind of person that we're dealing with and you know and on the one hand we we do get your sort of usual detective kind of caught between you know, two worlds and having to figure them both out, but also this moment of this detective who is not handling it very well. Yeah. Coming home to a, a house with a cat in it, you know, and not really having a, a life outside of her work. Yeah, like the, the apartment is, it looks like it's probably a pretty nice apartment, but it's almost completely mm-hmm. empty. Exactly. Expensive storage. Yeah, so it's like, it's a house, mm-hmm. but it is most definitely not a home. Exactly, exactly. And then when we go outside again, we see that there's so much more life that's happening around and outside of her. Even when we're just getting shots of the city and yeah. lights being on, there's so much more going on than what's happening in her home. Right? Yeah, there really mm-hmm. is. There's And there's so much color to it, and it's so vibrant in the world outside. And yet, again, like, He's in very neutral tones, you know, fairly mm-hmm. earthy tones. The blue is the most dynamic color she wa- she wears, whereas mm-hmm. the rest of the world around her is, you know, vibrant yellows and pinks and greens yes. and absolutely. Yeah, even the purple that she wears is so muted compared to the purple of this guy's suit as he gets off the train. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, obviously there's that connection of the blue with her police off, you know, with her being a police officer, her being a detective, but still the neutral neutrality of her, of her coloring of, you know, the clothes that she wears and things that she puts on really speaks to her position working with that kind of the seedier parts of this bright city yeah. and working in the darkness and working with what, you know, during the nighttime. Exactly. And mm-hmm. then it's, it's really interesting to see how things develop further in the book Mm -hmm. uh, exactly spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't read the book yet now is your time to bugger off read the book come back and watch the rest of the episode because we'll probably talk about things that happen in other issues now so yes go do that and then come back um, I like the spoiler alert. That is a great idea because I will just start talking about it. And I'm very glad that we haven't talked about anything that's going on with the story yet. Yeah, so I, I literally just realized that we're starting to get to that point now where we could start talking mm-hmm. about future things. Usually I do that mm-hmm. a little bit earlier because mm-hmm. we get so excited about the book overall that I need to, to drop mm-hmm. it in about 10 minutes in. But yeah. this one issue has so much to it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that... that we haven't even needed to. Uh, I'm just going to talk about this scene, actually, in the police station where they're congratulating Atticus on catching the bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. Just the the one picture specifically where he's standing there all chuffed and proud of himself with his glass of blood. And just... Yes. That 
drawing is incredible. The, mm -hmm. the coloring, the inking, the inking on that, the way that the solid black is done on the mm -hmm. suit again. Oh man, I love it. I love it so much. Exactly. Um, he's so proud of himself, but we also get this like nice shining, you know, shiny elements to it that mm. make him kind of look like a superhero, like a larger than life character. Yeah. And like the angle of the drawing and everything and how clean and crisp he is. But meanwhile, he's drinking blood. There's a sort of like, you know, just violence in right. his in your existence. And we're being asked to treat this as normal. Right. And that's it. Like, they could have shot that mm -hmm. from any angle. Exactly. But the choice to do it from this angle looking up does, mm -hmm. like you said, makes it feel like he is that, that larger than life. Mm -hmm. I am above you all. I am the mm -hmm. hero here energy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And especially as we start to find out that he does really think that he's better than everyone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that angling makes sense. He's centered throughout the page. You know, it is very much all about him. And, you know, whereas Holloway is kind of background character for that page. Right. Even though this is her story. Yeah, exactly. And, and as, as it goes on, we get the, you know, we get this thing where she's working late mm -hmm. and she's fallen asleep. And mm -hmm. then that's where Atticus fucked up. Yeah. Because he yeah. decided to start doing his, his shady shit. Mm hmm. Didn't check if anybody was still in the building. Nope. And then he's busted by Holloway. Exactly. He, yeah, exactly. she busts him feeding on the a doctor. Can't remember who this um, doctor is. This is the man that they caught in that like weird priest looking That's outfit. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. He has his plant, and he now he's finishing the job so that there are no witnesses mm -hmm. and the amazing colors that are happening so we get this like white you know the white basic comic frame that's what we're pretty much using but in this we have shadows that are kind of creeping in around the scene creating this like oval on the page yeah. as if we're a spotlight of something in the darkness that we can barely see and the colors between green and red you know green you know, I'm, I've always been kind of, I've been wondering about this. What this green represents, juxtaposed against this, like, sharp red. Mm. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, these cool tones versus the, the brilliant, almost hot red. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And how much gradient there is and how much, you know, where the light source is coming from. It's coming from behind her. It's coming from above her. And then you have this, like, green but this green isn't like a natural green it's no. really sickly right and like and look, the other question i've got and this isn't mm -hmm. a question about you know this isn't questioning the writers or the artists or anything this is questioning mm -hmm. atticus himself mm -hmm. why is he going to be shirtless to do this I, you know because he's sexy and he wants everyone to know it right i'm and just I'm, be... yeah i'm just looking at that i'm like okay so you're at work Mm -hmm. You're disposing of some evidence, mm -hmm. but you've got to be sexy and shirtless to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, who wants blood on their shirts? You know how hard that's, it is to yeah, get blood? That's fair. That is true. But mm -hmm. I mean, that armor he was wearing earlier, it looked like it'd be pretty easy to clean. It's all smooth mm -hmm. and shiny. 
I would hope. I wonder what kind of dry cleaning they have in the future. Right. Who knows? Yeah, it's just like that tells me a lot about Atticus. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His need to constantly show off his rippling muscles. I think he thinks he fully uh, is aware that he's faster, bigger, stronger, but also that he thinks that he is of nature. Mm. He does. Yeah, he thinks he's an apex predator. Exactly. And maybe that's what that green really represents, especially because it kind of reminds me of Mountain Dew, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. It's this kind of green that you would think is of nature, but we're able to tell what real natural things look like. Yeah. And this unnatural sort of green, which is a theme throughout, you know, this, this red versus this green, it's like the natural world versus this thing that is unnatural, but is presenting as something from the natural world. Yeah, 100%. And as we later learn, is not natural to this world. Yeah, no, I think I think you've nailed that there. And I love after he stabs the doctor, this scene that to us appears to be moving still where he's got Halloway by the throat. Mm-hmm. But the way they've done the background indicates that actually no he is just moved at in impossible inhuman speed to grab her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like she's running at him but he has moved toward her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it does like the yeah. the lines kind of feel like they've both been just moving in two completely different directions. Yes, 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 yes. And the quickness of which he moves, like the blur on his face, making him appear even more de- demonic than yes. he actually yeah, is. Yeah, more inhuman, more bestial, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. draconic almost. Exactly, exactly. And the green in her eyes could represent, I mean, we did see it before, but this mm. green now has changed to her infection, you know, mm-hmm. with this sort of like unnatural venom, so to speak. And then suddenly the mysterious figure from the hotel earlier in the book. Exactly. Ninja vampire. Right. I, I love this guy. He's got such Rick O'Connell pirate vampire ninja vibes and i am super here from it yes yes the way he shows up and kicks some serious ass before rescuing detective holloway who was really close to getting her throat fully torn out or becoming um a vampire herself right and yeah it's it's like this this outfit he's got is great it's it's so han solo meets rick o'connell Yes. With some ninja elements thrown in, and I, I love that. He's, mm-hmm. he's so stylish, so much cooler looking than Atticus. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. just rips Atticus open, wordlessly picks up Halloway, and zips off into the night with his fucking grappling hook. You know, total ninja Batman vibes, you know, jumps and zoops away right and then leaves atticus totally like half of his body is cut off yeah yeah he is torn from shoulder to navel as one should be in, he's in, a dick. yeah in one slice in one slice you know so you know you're dealing with somebody who's badass because atticus just showed up out of nowhere like him and sliced this other vampire in half right <laughs> leaving him to dead 
Atticus survives. So you know that Atticus is our big bad. Right. But this guy clearly has competing skills and talents because he shows up and then ducks out with managing to get Holloway and right. at the same time. One-handed. Exactly. So you know he knows what he's doing. And he does so wordlessly. Atticus needs a big speech. Yeah, exactly, right? Atticus is all shirtless and veiny and rippling muscle and showing off. This guy just, other than blowing a hole in the wall to let himself in, mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm about. Thanks for everything. Goodbye. Which is really cool. And then, you know, we go we go into two, which is a continuation of the story. So if you have not read the rest, skittle daddle. Yeah, um, yeah. If you if you haven't read past issue one, go read it and then come back because we're gonna start exactly. getting into stuff. Exactly. Unless you don't care about spoilers, then um stick around. But when we open up on two, now we've got Holloway screaming into the void, infected by vampire venom. Now with her mouth green. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she is definitely, the continuation of that theme, I think, you know, really nice callback, especially yeah, right. distance between issues. But when you see it all together in the graphic novel format, you know, you're in for this wonderful surprise. And it's really nice that Mikael was able to bring that, those elements into our, into issue two, right on that first page. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to go back and reread the whole series again soon. Because mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember some stuff towards the end, and I can't, and I'm really excited to reread it again. But mm -hmm. if I'm right, this is some time travel fuckery too, isn't it? No. No, no tra time travel fuckery. But we do go into the past. We get a, a, a past montage. Because mm, I thought this guy was from the past. He is, but he got, like, stuck in his That's capsule. right. He got, like, cryo-frozen. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. He woke up carrying out the mission of his past. So as far as he's concerned, it's time travel, but it's not mm -hmm. time travel. Exactly. Yeah. He's not from the past come to the future to destroy his grandpa. He is here, um, you know, just past Popsicle. Yeah. A little after Popsicle stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a vampire Captain America. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, with a with a ninja twist, you know, which I love. Give me more of that. Yeah, that, but, that's great. Oh, I just, yeah, I had to remember. All I could remember was that he was from the past. I couldn't remember how mm -hmm. he got there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, again, we've got some very fantastic storytelling and visual storytelling yes. happening here. There, it's just, there's very little dialogue, and it's really a conversation between these two characters you know mystery vampire ninja that totally kicked atticus's ass and detective holloway who is howling for blood howling for you and now kind of becoming you know and kind of settling into this in-between state and he's not killed her no. he's like you know what maybe you can help me and there's there's a certain intimacy here that is i think really sweet and telling of who atticus is versus who this guy is mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and then we get to see the return of Atticus where he's he's lied about his injuries mm -hmm. and, and tries to put the blame on this guy in Holloway. Mm -hmm. And then he gets rebuilt into this cybernetic body, which he hates because he's so vain. 
Oh, he loves his ripped abs. He yeah. really does. Put cybernetic abs on him, please. No. Maybe don't get chopped in half. You know, maybe don't be a dick. Maybe yeah. don't bite your partner. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe don't exactly. do crimes, and you won't get chopped in half by vengeful exactly. ninjas. That generally is how you avoid getting chopped in half, I feel like, is avoiding crime. And a crime that doesn't piss a guy off from the past yeah. who gets accidentally cryologically frozen and then comes back to kick your ass. I just, I feel like there's a lot of things that Atticus did wrong. Yeah, many, many things. He's yes. just such a... Mm -hmm. there's, there's no yeah. other way really to describe Atticus than just an utter dick. He's, exactly. Everything he does is for his own ego. It's not, he doesn't even have a grand plan, if I remember rightly. No, he wants to be police chief. Like, that's your goal. You did all of this to become captain of the pigs. Like, right? come on. Yeah, he just, he just wants just enough power to get away with whatever he wants to get away with. Yes. And that's it. And that's it. Like, he doesn't have a grand plan. No. But he just wants to be able to be a corrupt cop without worrying about people above him. Which, it's, it's, from what it seems like, everyone already is like, Atticus, you're great. Like, he could literally just keep it at that. It is really just a case of very poor planning, underestimating how many people hate you. So many, so many people. Yeah. Even of his own vampire kin are just like, ugh, Atticus, ugh. Here he comes. Oh, I hate this guy. You know? Yeah. Have Have you watched Our Flag Means Death yet? Mm. I love it. It's Atticus is Izzy Hands. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks he's the shit, he but is. everybody actually hates he him. Is. Exactly. No one likes Izzy Hands at all. And even Izzy Hands doesn't even like Izzy Hands. He doesn't know how to not be Izzy Hands. Right? Exactly. Yeah, he can't Perfect stop being Izzy Hands. Exactly. So Atticus is just Izzy Hands, only in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Izzy Hands was a cop in the future and a vampire. So funny. And it's yeah. true. It's absolutely true. When we get to Atticus's um, cyborg vampire body, you know, it was like, it's so funny that he gets turned into a vampire cyborg instead of like rapid healing i think yeah. that was an interesting choice yeah no I, I liked that i was like i wonder like i guess in this world there is a limit to mm -hmm. what their healing capacities can recover from yes like i imagine if it was just a deep sword wound through the muscle and maybe you know a bit of mm -hmm. a stab in the organs mm -hmm. their regenerative abilities could probably heal that up yeah. But I'm guessing because there was too much bodily trauma and it was, like, mm -hmm. pulled apart, which would give it time mm -hmm. to congeal and scar, yeah. that yeah. it couldn't re-knit everything together. I think it's interesting. I like there having there being a flaw to this, yeah. you know, the vampires. Not just the, the light situation, but that if you do significant, if you manage to do pretty significant damage to them, you can totally chop off a vampire arm. This isn't bleed, you know, it's a different, different yeah. energy. And I love that. Yeah. I, I, I wonder, a... I wonder if he would be able to survive with those missing parts and you know, but not regenerate them. 
Like, you know, I wonder... the way that he was crawling about, I would say yes. Yeah, I, I imagine... Yeah, I imagine that he'd probably be able to... Because they are still technically undead. Yeah, no, they're totally undead. So, uh, yeah, I imagine he'd probably be able to keep on keeping on. And yeah. that the cyborg body was more of a practical thing than a life-saving thing. Exactly. Exactly. It's more like, you know, just give him an extra arm so that he can continue to be an ascot. Which, yeah. you know, I guess, I guess. And it looked really painful. So, I mean, he's getting a little bit of what he deserves. Not only yeah. is he no longer, you know, Atticus of abs, um, he's now cyborg Atticus, less vain, definitely hurting. Yeah, exactly. Kind of energy. But yeah, I, I think but that's now, a really interesting way to do it. Instead of him being able to just, you know, take a long time, drink a lot of blood and heal mm -hmm. from that back mm -hmm. to good as new. Like, no, mm -hmm. he could probably... And, and Elliot and crew, correct us if we're wrong on this. I'd love to know exactly how the vampires work in your universe. But it, it seems like he would be able to survive the damage, but then just be half a torso that could talk. Yes. I mean, thankfully for him, I guess, he has, had, he has access to, yeah. you know... Um, exactly. He can be rebuilt so, so that he can still keep on doing his shady, dark business. Exactly. This gives him a little bit of added motivation mm. to destroy Holloway and um, Sexy Vampire Ninja. But also, this is that kind of comeuppance. You know, this is what you get for all of your scheming and your lies and your plans, you know? It doesn't always work out for him. And I like the vampire that we that we have a little bit more of an opportunity mm. to kill. Not it's unheard of in this world, but we know. We know that Vampire Ninja means business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's nice to know that you, like, in this world, you could incapacitate a vampire like that mm -hmm. if you needed to, you know? Exactly. It's not just a matter of, you know, cut off the head, stake through the heart is the only way to destroy them. Mm -hmm. You could stop them while not necessarily exactly. destroying them. Exactly. Which is fantastic. I think that gives us some dynamicism. And it also moves away from the typical vampire stereotype, which is interesting to see. I think, you know, especially with things like vampires, with, you know, zombies and werewolves, we have to kind of reinvent the will. And I'm not sure how much of this is Hiyazaki's mm. doing in his original series, or whether it was a concerted effort between, you know, Hiyazaki and Raw working together to develop the story for comics. Yeah, exactly. I'd love I'd love to know more about that. I'm gonna have to try mm -hmm. to look, like I said, look into uh, Hiyazaki's work so I can find out more about this world. Exactly. I really like this world, and I hope we get more of it one day. Like, yeah. If if the team is done, that's also mm -hmm. fine. But mm -hmm. it would be really cool to see some more adventures in this world. Well, we did get, I think, a really complete graphic novel. Exactly. It is. It's a very... That's, yeah. That's what I love. You know, I really love the idea of, you know, leaving mystery, leaving room for more as you take up the, the, the mantle later on, if you do. But I do like that this felt really complete, and mm -hmm. it felt like the story between Atticus and Holloway was was complete. And we get to see Holloway's journey. I do think she was underutilized, though, throughout yeah. the series. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I would like to see some more continued adventures of Holloway in her mm -hmm. new life. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I really loved that they, they buttoned it up nice and neatly. 
but the mm-hmm. way they did the world building and how fleshed out the characters were, there is room for more stories to be told in this world if they yeah. so chose, yes. but they don't have to. And that's something mm-hmm. I really love when a book is, is wrapped up nice and neatly like that. Mm-hmm. But if they were to suddenly pop up with a new series, it wouldn't feel forced and I wouldn't question it like going, how are you going to tell more stories about this? You know, like some, exactly. some books, some TV shows are just so completely wrapped up that mm-hmm. you hear about a sequel and you're like, there how? Need to be? How? Mm-hmm. How are you going to do more of this? This, 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 and this exactly. were already dealt with. But this exactly. world obviously still has so much more to it Mm-hmm. that they could easily it didn't even have to be Halloway, you know they've exactly. they've fleshed out that this world is so vast and intricate and interesting that they could mm-hmm. pick up a new crew mm-hmm. that's just already is still living in this world exactly and you know exactly they could have that crew going on adventures and have mention of Halloway and Atticus and vampire mm-hmm. ninja guy because mm-hmm. they exist in the world but it wouldn't have yeah. to be centered on them because that's how big this universe is exactly and that's a lot and i think that's really why we have such dynamic cityscapes Mm. and storytelling to where the city is a character because you know there can be an infinite amount of stories within this world as you said that don't necessarily involve holloway and her adventures though i will say as i said before i do feel like holloway was underutilized i feel like this was more of an introduction into her world and i would love to see her you know take more of the reins Um, you know, maybe in her half vampire state, maybe in a fully human state, but having a better understanding of how the vampire world works. Um, Especially because there's so much left to do within this story. Exactly. I would love to see um, Mm -hmm. uh, another miniseries maybe following her in her half vampire state, trying to find a way to help herself and others Mm -hmm. that may have Mm -hmm. found themselves stuck in the same situation you know mm-hmm. that's not a very healthy and happy situation to be in so like, maybe Holloway is is hunting out others like her to help them deal with their issues of course of course and and that we're would getting, be really cool i think i think so and i think we're getting an understanding of how you know how intricate this world is mm. and i think that you know elliot Rawl and and team really really gave us a story with infinite possibilities with complexities and with characters that have so much more room to play exactly. you know, if the story, if the series continues but if not we've got a really great look at yeah what... that's exactly you, you nailed it mm-hmm. you know they, they did they, they made an incredible universe with room to play without yes. leaving anything unfinished exactly 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 yeah. and, and, and that takes we... a really good team to do it, it does. It does. But you know what I will say about Vault is they have a really, really good eye for, for teams and for story that can really, you know, really tell something and create something great. So, yeah. I mean, big kudos to them. And I want more people to read this. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. If you, if you end up reading this book after watching this episode, please let us know. Because, like, mm-hmm. let us know what you think of the book. And also, I just... It's really nice to hear when these conversations have encouraged someone to pick up a book. So yeah, exactly. let, hit the comments and let us know. Join the Discord and tell us what you thought about the book, you know? 
Uh, I want to hear from you, the audience, about these books. Like, did you like it? Do you have questions about it? You know, Mm -hmm. let us know. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I will say that I think that Vault is doing a really great job of connecting the world of sci-fi and fantasy into Mm. the future. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if anyone, if anyone does anything, I think it's definitely keeping an eye on what Vault is doing next, because you know, it, you're always going to get a great story within genre from Vault. Yes. 100%. Vault, if you're watching, hi, I, I've got some stories. <laughs> <laughs> also, like For just sure. any of you, you know, I've DB's been mm-hmm. on the show, but you know, like uh, Tim, Adrian, Damien, Mm-hmm. whoever else any of the vault staff if you guys want to come on the show hit me up i'd love to have you oh that's awesome awesome i hope they come on the show i hope they wow your audience and also you know some sweet sweet tips on how to how to get acknowledged by companies for you know the fans looking to become comic creators and also the current comic creators would exactly. be really helpful exactly and i would love to talk about these books from you know a mm-hmm. comic book designer's perspective an editor's yes. perspective, you know? Yes. Like, I want to exactly. have more folks than just writers, artists, and letterers mm-hmm. that are working in the industry to mm-hmm. analyze these books with and see what the things that they pick up mm-hmm. on and the things that get them excited about a book. I think that would be yes. really interesting to, to find out. Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, all I can speak to is from an editor standpoint and, you know, from the marketing independent kind of marketing that I've done freelance. And this is a really easy book to sell. And it's no wonder that it's it, it was so well received critically, yeah. is that it is a tight story with dynamic characters and great visual storytelling that really speaks to readers. And there's always something new to find within it, you know, on every reading. Yeah. So I think it's one of those books that really, um, one of those graphic novels that really will age very well as more fans, you know, get into their second, third, fourth reads and start picking up on, you know, Mikael's color choices and, you know, what Easter eggs lie in within the pages, you know, within the text, as well as panel placement and bubbles and, you know, some of the background art that just creates such elegant design. So, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. This book is incredible. Go and read it. The links will be in the description below for where you can go and read it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And come back and tell us what you thought. I'd love to hear what you think about the book. I'd love to discuss these books. So just, yeah, tell us what you think. If you've already read it, comment and tell us what you think about the book. Tell us if you've got questions. Like, I'm thinking of maybe at the end of the year or something, I might do Mm -hmm. like a, a... Anyone who's been on the show that wants to come and hang out, come and hang out and just talk about questions we've had about the books that have been on the show sort of thing. I think that could be really fun. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. I'd be down. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, if if people have questions, like, I've got a contact form on my website. If you have a question about one of the books that you would like to hear discussed in an episode like that, Drop it in the contact form. Just put like no capes questions or something mm-hmm. as your subject. Um, exactly. That I'd love to see what people want to know about these books. And then maybe we can get the creators to come on and answer some questions. That'd be cool. Absolutely. That would be really cool. Get, you know, the team together and talk about some of these choices, you know, I think it would be dope. And it's also great for them to kind of hear 
the feedback of how their story, you know, we kind of send a story out and it goes into the void, um, not knowing how our audience received it. It's always a great idea. And it's also a great idea to like pose questions to the creators because everyone wants to talk about their process. Everyone is different. Everyone comes from different backgrounds. Exactly. And I think that's what makes comics so interesting that there's always some, a new perspective to learn that can help you in making your own comics or just become a, a you know, a better fan or, or a better reader or, you know, or help enhance the story for you personally in ways that maybe you didn't think of before. Exactly. That's exactly right. You nailed it. And yeah, talk, talk to creators. Like we're all on Twitter. We're all on Instagram. Um, obviously we can't take pictures and stuff like that from randos because we can get in trouble for that. But if you yeah. have questions about the stories that people like us, you know, I'm only just starting, so don't bother about me, but just like me and people like me that have stuff published. If you have mm -hmm. questions about the work, mm -hmm. ask us, talk to us, exactly. you know, like we'd love to talk about all the stuff that doesn't make it into a book as yes. well. And there's a lot. <laughs> yes. There's always, always so much more than you know. So yeah, definitely. So, you know, where I have a dump file. I have a dump file of all of the things that never made it into books, so I can start using it in other books where it does work. So yes, I love that. Yep. Yep. I love that. All right. So we're approaching the hour. So mm -hmm. Mel, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram, on TikTok, on Xbox Live, you know, everywhere you get your social media at Melissa Fent, and that's M-A-L-I-S-S-I-F-E-N-T. Um, you can find me there. You can do that. Um, you can ask me a question at any time. Get into a DM if you have any questions on how to do a pitch, how to market your book, wh where do you go, what do you do, how do you start. I am happy to share my my experience with you. Excellent. I will link those profiles below for folks. And you've got Nightmare coming out. Is there anything else that you're like editing or advising on that's really exciting that you're excited about that's coming out? They're not anything that I can talk about, but it's always exciting to have a, a few little mysteries going. So, but I can't wait to talk about it and you will be the first to know. All right. We'll keep an eye on Mel on social media because there's some really cool stuff coming. And obviously you can find all my social media links in the description below, but you can find no capes at, at no capes show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and you can find me at some variation of brain Bee studios on all platforms TikTok, facebook instagram and there's a discord link below if you want to join the discord and chat comics ttrpgs nerdy stuff in general if you like cacti and succulents i've got a gardening channel come and talk to me about your plant babies you know and obviously if you like the show if you liked my comics my games and you want to help me keep making more please consider subscribing to my patreon it starts at five dollars au which is like two dollars fifty three dollars american a month uh, once I hit like the $100 a month mark, I can start paying my collaborators for all of the pitches that didn't make it into anthologies and start making more comics. So if you want to help that happen, please consider subscribing to Patreon. Link is in the description. But until then, this has been No Capes. I am Sean Sunday. This has been my wonderful guest, Melissa White. Hello. Keep reading comics. Tell us what you think about them and stay safe. Bye for now. Bye.